0: Nickers. Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Nickers is a brand. Allen Houston. Lord. Once the neck, always
1: the neck. the What is going on, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Nickish. It is Saturday, April 16th, 2022. You got your boy Mo here with Nafi and Faiz. And before we bring them on, wanted to direct you all to our website, nick-ish.com, to check out our exclusive blog that we call Nickish Weekly. We have a new post by our very own Omar where he recollects a cold winter day in 2014 as a Knicks fan and breaks it down in a captivating way. And it's a highly recommended piece. So check it out today. In addition to that, cop yourself a hoodie and hat today. It's one of the best ways to show yourself as a diehard Knicks fan. Grab yours today at nick ishcom And without further ado, let's bring in our first co-host, Nafi. What's going on, man? How you doing this morning?
0: Not bad, bro. Pretty nice out here in uh, New York City. Usually I'm talking about the climate in D.C., but you in, uh, in town this weekend, staying in my parents' attic, you know what I mean? So that's going well, home-cooked meals and all that, so I can't complain. How y'all doing?
1: That's what's up, man. Uh, Glad to have you back in New York. Vice. how you doing, man? What's going on?
2: I'm doing good, man. Knicks season is over, so I'm, I'm doing real, real good <laughs> right now. Don't got to worry about, uh, you know, staying up late to watch those Knicks games.
1: Yeah. Like, tell me now, it, this is great for our mental health right now, just getting a break from Knicks games <laughs> and not having to deal with Tibbs and the headlines,
0: just putting down Twitter for Twitter for a minute and not reading what everyone's takes on. Yeah, it's are. like taking a, taking a break from a toxic you know, spouse. You got to go exactly. back to the spouse eventually, but it's a break. <laughs> the,
2: the dark circles in my eyes are going away. I have not felt this relaxed in a while. But then again, the Yankees are playing, and they're bringing them back for me, man. They lost to the freaking Orioles last night. Oh, my God.
0: You need you need to take that to an M L B pod, brother. <laughs> we don't be doing that here. I will I'll I'll, I'll assume forward. that's the best. Ba- no. I, I I
1: love the Yankees. Uh they did start off the season well. It sucks that they lost to the Orioles. So what what was that game
0: like four? I don't
2: even I don't bro. They walked. they got walked off, bro. I don't want to talk about it. Uh, I do not want to talk about it. Let's stick to the NBA today. I, I don't want to talk yeah, about and,
0: it. In more positive news, talk about the Knicks now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Again, you can't put those. You can't put positive and the Knicks together in, in the same sentence, bro. Yeah. literally. If you look season. at our, if you look at our plus minuses, you literally cannot put positive and the Knicks together. <laughs> it's true.
0: It's true. I um, mean, yeah. Go ahead, Mo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
1: I mean, so this season, the one that just ended, our twenty-one, twenty-two season. There's so much to talk about. So much that happened, and um, you know, a lot of it felt more negative than positive. And you know, but that's that's really how the last decade went. So I think this episode, we're really gonna dive into it and and wonder to ourselves and I'm sure the listeners are thinking to themselves was this the worst season since the 2012 2013 season that the Knicks had where they won 54 games and in that time we we've been a lottery team we've been we've had a we've been a lottery team multiple years uh we've had top five picks in that time frame but last season um was this the worst season uh Faiz, let's start off with you how, how what are your overall general thoughts for for that idea or that that question
2: i think it's a really good season to compare to the season after that 2012 season our last successful season because i don't know if you guys remember the season literally right after we had one of the worst seasons in a while and like expectations were high and we fell short of it so it's really reminiscent of that but i in good faith i just can't call it the worst season just because man have you guys seen the years between then like we had who are we rostering at one point? Like, Emmanuel Mudiay? Like, oh, my God, man. So Jared Jack.
0: I, I, Ramon yeah, Sessions,
2: Jared Jack. Oh, my Ron God. That Baker. was our starting point guard. Courtney Lee? That was a hype signing for the Knicks at a point. So, like, I, I, it, yeah, in good faith, <laughs> I just – Bro, my favorite player at a point was Langston Galloway because he was bro. the youngest player on our roster. Bro, so, it was
0: so dark back then. We were Knicks fans. was hype. Like, yo, we could do player development. Look at Langston Galloway. And everybody looking at us like we a Subway crackhead. Like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> Give us like, some change and yeah, walk away.
2: <laughs> yeah, sure. Langston Galloway was like a 16th man on like the Pelicans or something. But, like, come on. that That's not real. Shout so, out to Stan Van
0: Gundy for throwing Galloway the bag, though, when he signed yeah, him with the Pistons. Like, <laughs> in, good
2: faith, in good faith, I just can't I can't call this the worst Knicks season now. Maybe, like, expectations-wise, this was the worst Knicks season because we really expected it to go well. You know, young core, uh, solid veterans all around. And then, you know, we had the reigning coach of the year and stuff. But... I don't know, Matt. Other Nick seasons, we didn't even own our pick. We didn't even have like young the young talent on our roster that we do right now. So I, I just can't call it the worst season.
0: Yeah, it was painful. Obviously, expectations breeds uh, <laughs> disappointment when uh, they're not met. You know what I mean, but for me, I gotta agree. It's not the worst season. I honestly, I feel like the worst season was like 2019. Um, I, and we we had drafted RJ, but it was like. It was missed out on the KD and Kyrie, obviously, right? We know that kind of going in. But somehow we had convinced ourselves, or, you know, a good portion of the fans, like, hey, you know, we got like a scrappy team. You know what I mean? We got Mook Morris. We got some dogs. We could try to like make the playoffs. And we was just so fucking god awful, bro. Like, it was so awful. We had that 10, like 10, after the first 10 games, they did like a press conference. Like, yeah. We don't know what to do either, basically. <laughs> so, like, Steve Mills up there looking like a goddamn Muppet. Like, what are we doing here? So I got to go with that being worse than this one. But, you know, it's, it's comparable, which is not a good thing you want to say when you got a coach of the year, Tom Thibodeau, and you're comparing it to a David Fizdale season. But, uh, eh, yeah. you, Mo?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know what? The, the way I like to think about it is if this were the season after that season, so if this replaced our 2021 season, I would have said it was a successful season. Uh, Instead, we made the playoffs the year prior, and that's why we let we came in with those expectations to move forward. But Mm -hmm. if we didn't have that season last season, I think a lot of us would have felt positively, not happy, because you know Thibodeau fucked up a lot of games for us, and Randall had his own you know issues on on and off the court. But it would have been seen as a good season because we did the right things, we had the player development, we have all of our picks and then some, we have the cap flexibility, and we would have been you know known as a team that had good young players and a front office that can draft well and more or less keep in line and, and avoid the drama from a front office standpoint. The only drama that we have is, is Randall and Thibodeau. But, uh, you know, in comparison to the season that Fahis mentioned earlier, earlier that 2013, 14 season, we were dealing with whether Melo was going to stay on that team. We were dealing with, uh, I'm pretty sure Andrea that was a Mars. Adam a fire. That scheme, was though.
0: the Andre, Andrea Bargiani.
1: That was the Andrea Bargiani. We had Andre Cole Aldrich, Tor Murray. I don't know if you guys remember Tor Murray, he I was thought like he the, was the truth. He <laughs> was like he was a Frank Nilakina before Frank Nilakina, basically, and he played a couple of games and he was good. You know, Earl Clark was there. Um, we had Tim Hardaway Jr. We work. thought he he was Dude, gonna be oh our uh, shooting guard
0: of the future. But admit so uh, we had crazy. Meta World Peace. We signed we him. Had meta- like, exactly. <laughs> we had thought- look. Meta- you see how World deep piece. the Knicks fanhood runs? Because I remember it vividly that summer. Like, oh yo, the Bargnani trade so was hot. trash, but I feel like getting Meta for the for for the low was a good move. We was so bad, bro. We thought we had the Pacers shook because we had Meta World Peace. We thought
1: it was going to be over because the Pacers knocked us out he, last he, season and Meta got that him that shook. Moment,
0: <laughs> he did give us that moment, though. He did give us that moment where like, Tyler, he like, ripped the ball from Tyler Hansborough. Yep. Hansborough was like, getting like, hype. He's like, yo, who <laughs> the fuck is this? He turns around and sees Meta. He's like, oh, sorry, sir. <laughs> I'm going to get out your way. <laughs> Tyler
2: Hansborough. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. Hey,
0: yeah. UNC Shoot. GOAT. Uh, Man, I actually fucked with him Remember back in high league. school, bro.
2: <laughs> I feel like if we had this same season last season, though, like, so many things would have been so much better for us. Like, yeah. we wouldn't have re-signed Julius Randle. I don't think this year's Julius Randle would have warranted a, a re-sign. And then, obviously, OB and IQ taking those steps within year well, that, that's year one of their NBA play, that would have been amazing like i feel like people would have been talking about the knicks on some next level like you really got to look out for these knicks because you know the young core is doing it i feel like we're really discounting uh how well our players have been playing just because it's year two for iq and ob and then you know year three for rj and he, he's in line to get an extension so that's yeah. a huge reason that the season's being looked at the way it is yeah so, exactly. so it's a
0: burden of expectations because yeah but not, not to let's get off more, but like my point like just to kind of close that out was just like it's literally just because you know if we had literally this season twice like this season replicated twice the mainstream media nba media whatever would have fucking been sucking our dicks because like it would have been exactly like what brooklyn did or la clippers did just be kind of like that scrappy team that's fighting and developing as young pieces you know what i mean but you know this whole season came down to expectations not being met and with that comes pain so go ahead Mo Take exactly it so <laughs> before we before we dive into the pain let's talk a little bit about
1: the best moments that we had this season because there were a lot of good moments that we can look back on I think for me personally that's what's keeping me you know sleeping well at night knowing that we had we had these moments and that we can hopefully carry it over to to next season and be you know win more than 37 games so by starting off with you what what would, what would you say was your uh your favorite moment from this past season
2: Hmm. Uh, I think, honestly, it's got to be a tie between the Heat-Knicks game, the the one recently where the kids came out from behind and won the game, or it's got to be the RJ game winner because both of those games, you know, against the Celtics, uh, both of those games the Knicks come from behind, and, and, you know, it's mostly led by the young guys. And I I think if I had to pick between the two, I would go for, honestly, the RJ game winner because that's literally my my Twitter – Uh, Header right now, RJ uh, (laughs) shooting over Tatum. That was such a elite moment, and like I don't know, man, that that got me so hype. And I feel like from there, RJ really stepped up. Like you know, closed the season pretty well. I mean, you could complain about his inefficiencies, but he was scoring over twenty a game. You know, getting those uh, assist numbers up and uh, taking on the mantle of like the leader of the team. You know, uh, eclipsing Julius Randle. So. I gotta go with gotta go with the the Celtics Celtics RJ game winner and you know what anytime New York beats Boston there's a freaking big ass smile on my face mm. so you know I'm gonna Facts. have to go with that one. Facts. What about you guys?
0: Same thing, the RJ game winner, bro. I think he even said it at the time. I was like, how do I get a video tattooed? <laughs> I just want that shit, like, as a gif. Just like if I flex, it's just like, oh, he's, he's making it over Jason, Jason Tatum. You know what I mean? I'm still looking for an, an oil painter to commission to fucking make that shit a portrait, hang over my ga- non-existent it's gonna fireplace. It's going to be
2: even sweeter when, uh, when Jason Tatum gets the All-NBA all NBA defense nod. It's going to be even sweeter because RJ made that shot over him. Oh, yeah, we trolling.
0: What? We're like, oh, look at Mr. All-NBA defender. Could stop RJ, though. That's, <laughs> but, yeah, favorite moment. Um, and Like you said, the honesty, the game won. When, you know, we just talked about expectations when we did beat Boston. It was like double OT. That was when the infamous side talk video happened. We don't speak about that. We don't speak about the, you know, the the whole bing bong movement that rooted from that and kind of derailed us with the bad karma, I want to say. But, yeah, I mean, it was just dope at the time because, you know, it felt like at that moment, oh, we're fulfilling the expectations. We're fulfilling our destiny of being like a great team, you know, like a 50-win kind of level team. And it looked like that opening night, all the pieces seemed to fit together. So, I want to say that's an honorable mention for me, but my favorite moment is definitely R.J. Well, you Mo? or R.J.'s game winner, rather. What yeah, you, it's it's hard to beat that, and, um, you know,
1: I also agree with you guys that that was my favorite moment. I think another game that I want to point out was R.J. dropping 46 points when he mm-hmm. came back from injury because he was out for two weeks. We saw Randall trying to play ball, and he wasn't really doing a good job, and here comes R.J. Barrett. first. Well, I believe that was his first game back and he dropped like 73s yeah. yeah. and he yeah. dropped career high 46 points and from then on cuz that game winner was in January from then on that was really that point when when RJ started being the guy and you see Word. everyone looking for RJ to give him the ball to start trying to take over that fourth quarter so uh RJ dropping that 46 point game was, was against the Spurs was was awesome to see cuz you know it was really 2 weeks after it looked like tips overplayed him and he had that ankle injury the fourth quarter in a game where the Knicks were up by a lot of points. Um, but, you know, it gave us some form of, you know, grounding and, you know, comfort knowing that he's able to put on those minutes and play at the level that he was playing at. So that was awesome. Um, the last game of the season when OB dropped 42 points and IQ had a second triple double in a span of like Oof. four, four or five games. That was awesome. Um, and, that gives us, you know, also comfort knowing that we might have the one and the four of the future, starting from next season. So,
0: young how you guys, four, bro, for the first time in a minute. You know what I mean? Yeah, to your point.
1: Yeah, it makes it makes Julius expendable, and that was that was an issue. And you know, um, really, it earlier in the season, Tiz would be throwing uh, subs about Obi not being able to take on that position because we had Randall and lo and behold, he's capable of dropping threes, capable of driving in, posting up, dunking, and uh, you know, getting leading the entire team on, on points. So fuck yeah. you,
0: Tibbs. Yeah, well, yeah, shout out to Tibbs for that fucking boomer ass like analogy he made to say, like, Oh, everybody loves a backup quarterback. Man, shut up. Shut, shut the fuck up. up. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is basketball. You know what I mean? A backup quarterback Two never plays. Things. He's meant to literally go get Tom Brady fucking Gatorade.
2: Two <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like you got, you gotta NBA. play you gotta play backup players in the NBA you don't put in a backup quarterback in an NFL game and stuff and I don't know if you guys saw Berman was on a pod and he actually let out that Tibbs apparently was upset I mean not not upset Tibbs apparently backtracked about what like he, he regretted
0: said. not playing the young he kids not that' not,
2: Exactly Your
0: opinion is on that It's just like Tibbs reached out to the one Friend in journalism That he has He's like yo Just here go do some Damage control for me Because Mark Berman Been a fucking Tibbs acolyte All season His
2: twin brother bro His twin brother He choked He's like looking in the mirror You know
0: what I mean Like Mark Berman Probably considers Tom His handsome twin You know what I mean Because he has a (laughs) couple Pieces of hair So All uh, all that is to say Fuck Mark Berman But uh, you know Go go do your world tour, big man. I like, could ahead. also be bourbon
1: <laughs> backtracking himself, trying to you know save his own reputation and trying to get it going with the Knicks fans.
2: Get get cool with the kids, right? Exactly. Right?
0: Like sanitize his reputation, but I was like, yeah, get the fuck out of here! Like I'm not I'm not helping a fucking motherfucker that works for the New York Post to clean this shit up. Get out of here.
2: I mean, Yo, know, talking about talking about like the young kids, I, we got to give an honorable mention for for moment of the year to the last game of the year with. OB going for a career high 42 getting a second career high in the same week and then IQ getting a second triple double like I think it's the the, the youngest player, youngest Nick player with a 30 point triple double. So you got to shout out those young kids. And I, I got to give that as one of the moments. Too Damn, bro. From brain year.
0: fog contagious? You just uh, it was like an echo <laughs> of a, a Mo just said. Oh, no, really? I didn't <laughs> even. My bad. My bad. No, it's all brain good. Brain fog all... is getting contagious. You literally just I took it was, from there. I thought
2: he was talking about the heat game. I thought he was talking about the heat game. My head was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally brain fogged out. Um, no,
0: nah, yo, deadass? I'm proud. We got to sneak in another brain fog joke. I was listening to oh, our last right. episode. I was like, okay.
2: <laughs> I'm like, why is Mo looking at me so like?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I was wondering myself. Like,
1: yo, I'm like, I swear I just said this, but maybe I'm fucking like you, forgetting You myself. had his brain like, maybe, fog acting
2: up, no, no, bro. No, bro was, like maybe I'm the one with the brain fog, not yeah. him. Jeez, bro. No, you, had,
0: you had Mo with you're He's like, yo, d- I didn't say that. Didn't I? Huh? <laughs> 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 I had this man hallucinating.
2: <laughs> oh, I built man. that up in my head so nice, too. <laughs>
0: No, nah, it's all good. It's all... <laughs> it just speaks to how dope that moment was because, you know, it just ties into – yo, 42 points, that's not a backup quarterback, Tibbs. Get the fuck out of my face with that, you know what I mean? So,
2: Bro, second career high in, like, what, well, a few games. Like, this guy I- – I just feel like it's proof that he could have done this a-, a few times. Like, maybe there would have been some bumps on the road on the way there, but –
1: he could have done more in extended minutes, maybe not dropped 42, but he could be—he could have been yeah, dropping 20 exactly. points way more often than I think than his now.
2: career high was like it started at like 22 points like this this season and then it went to 30, 35 or 36, mm-hmm. and then it went to 42. Yeah.
0: Like. It doesn't make any sense because, like, at the end of the day, I think it's just like Tibbs. He knew he had a – like, I'm not speaking me, to defend Tibbs, but I think he knew that he had a – overgrown-ass toddler and Julius, so, like, the idea of playing Obi more minutes with Julius probably would have rubbed Julius the wrong way. That's what oh, Tibbs yeah. was probably worried about, you know what I mean? And Or he was just worried, just like, because, you know, we would complain about it all season. He doesn't hold Julius accountable. He treats Julius like he's LeBron, you know what I mean? Like, so, like, when he's, like, lackadaisical out there, and, you know, Obi's out there on the bench, we're hitting the chance, Tibbs doesn't want to show up his guy, quote-unquote, and, like, bench him. And put t- uh, Obi in there. You know what I mean? So I think that's just like the politics of the situation. Not the defensives but you know what I mean? Yo, With, you know,
2: to your point, in the last game of the season, you see finally see a Nerlens Noel sighting, and he's like jumping up and down, super excited for Obi every single bucket. And you see Randall, and he's just kind of just there, you know, because <laughs> Randall there. sees the writing. He sees the writing on the walls. Like he knows. He knows what. A good Obi, like you know, for N- Nerlens Noel, Obi playing well doesn't change anything for him. He could Back. be hype, but Randall knows that this means. I mean, even if he doesn't get traded, he's definitely there. Has to be more games where Randall's the one playing 18 minutes and Obi's playing at least like 25 minutes. We're just playing together,
0: like, like what we saw last night in the playing game with the with Ty Lue. I mean, the Clippers lost, but what Ty Lue did is like what we always scream for Tibbs to adjust. <laughs> like, he's yeah, a major like, I like I bugaboo like for good, Tibbs. And, you know what what I would
2: mean? be good in like situational basketball, but like Obi's just not the rim protector that that can play with Randall because both of them are so, like they're not horrible on defense, but I wouldn't call them good. Like I wouldn't I, even call them average. I, I think like,
0: what it is is like the benefit of like a small ball lineup with them. Which we've seen even preseason, just the numbers bear out. Offensively it's fucking monstrous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at yep, that yep, point, yep. defense would be about buying. Julius needs to buy into the fact that like, yo, this is a good lineup for us and the team. I need to put the effort into defense. But we've seen it all season. He's not that guy. Okay. Right. He's and not putting he doesn't, in that effort on defense. He doesn't, he doesn't, doesn't throw lots up. He didn't do it for exactly. Mitchell Robinson. There's no reason at
1: all why he'd do it for Obi Toppin. Yeah, which you is gotta, the best way to utilize exactly. Obi. Like playing exactly. him in transition, exactly. playing
2: him vertically, like
1: He's just too slow for the game right now. He's a yeah. he's Actually, a half-court ball player. He's not going to go full-court. He's not going to be throwing up lobs to OBN. We're just going to be stagnant. Yeah. And complete to, like, fall he's will be been on I
0: yeah, mean, he's yeah. been the Alpha since he's been here. He came in that summer 2019. He was a consolation prize, right? So he's coming in. Now he has these young kids that are, like, around him that he's supposed to be the mentor for. Like, oh, shit, they're balling out. And Randall being kind—I of, I don't know—I'm gonna just call him a sensitive sissy. Being like that kind of dude that he is, he probably is just like mad insecure about it the whole season. You know what I mean? And just Tibbs like you know capitulated to that, and you know now bro, we're here. You
2: better have you better have Kendra call up the pod, bro, and make a bunch of complaints, bro. bro. Randall's wife's about to get us,
0: bro. You s- <laughs> you said Mrs. Randall's name? I didn't do that. <laughs> I, I didn't say that. That was
1: that was Faiz, by the way. <laughs> Faiz. Come at me, bro. Lives in Come Queens. At me. <laughs> Listen. Yeah, New Yorker,
0: nothing. You, I'll, I'll
2: send you uh I'll send you a Nickish hoodie and hat to make up for it.
0: it will be just, weird just rocking a... that in Sacramento though. No, uh,
2: <laughs> Kingsish.
0: Yeah, yeah. King I think just called. Pod. <laughs> New pod, right? Uh, I mean shit, man. They're trying to get to the playoffs. The Julius Ryan go fix him right there, fix that problem. Do, bro.
2: Yo, like, look at two two pats, bro. The Pelicans make all those moves, make it make it through the plane and stuff with a little bit of good luck, but Man, the Kings are down bad right now. Give up. I feel like we always talk about this. Give up Tyrese Halliburton for nothing. Like,
0: it, let's not even give him time. I'm sure there's a podcast out there that are like six Kings fans listen to that will cover <laughs> that. Yeah, you know I mean. But as far as like. Oh, so you saw about the good moments. Now we got to dig up some PTSD as we are Knicks fans. What were some like of the worst moments? we got to talk
2: about Randall to transition. Into- exactly, exactly. we're already in a bad mood. We all
0: mood. thought it. <laughs> exactly, we're all pissed off. We're just like, all right. Let's we're, let's run with this anger. Let's, what did <laughs> piss us? What pissed us off the season? So, worst moments, basically. Like I'm gonna throw it back to you, uh, Mo. I guess. What do you think? Yo. As far as worst moments that come to mind, what comes first?
1: I I have to talk about that Brooklyn Nets game when Cam Cam Thomas, the rookie of the Nets. Went off, and the, the Knicks were up by twenty, well, was it 25, 26 points and uh, lose the game because Cam Thomas balls out. And it's yet another game in that stretch that the Knicks lost after having double-digit leads, 20-plus points. And that was the only episode this season when Nafia and I had to do a post-game episode. We didn't do it for any other game, but this game, we're just like, no, <laughs> this is no, too I, much. No, I hit you up. This I was is like, no
0: like, bro set up. We've, we we got to get some get some sh- shit off right now cuz I was pissed, bro. Pissed and, you know, drunk with emotion.
1: Yeah. So that <laughs> that those string of games in March when the Knicks just kept losing and honestly, you know, that's that's completely on tips cuz he wasn't able to adjust and get the right guys on the court and without any real accountability and having answers for why he did what he did and that was to me the the real reason why the Knicks didn't make the playoffs outside of Julius Randle. What about you, As What was your worst moment of this season?
2: I mean, like, I, I want to go with your answer, that string of games in March where, like, you know, we, lo- we lost a double-digit lead to-, to the Lakers. And that was a really frustrating one because RJ hit the buzzer beater and over- to-, to take it into overtime, mm. and we still lose that game. And then we lose to the Blazers without anyone besides Anfrey Simons. That was another double digit lead we let up. And then the Brooklyn game. And it was more sad with the Brooklyn game because Cam Thomas didn't even play the other Brooklyn game we played against them. Like it was just more insult to injury. And it was like, Sheesh, like you see Brooklyn ge- giving their rookies time. What does that feel like? We can't even see Deuce touch the floor and stuff. So I wanna go with your answer, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take a little bit more of a broad answer. I'm gonna say any game where Alec Burks inbounded the ball on the last play was fucking hell to me. Like so many missed opportunities with turnovers because Alec Burks is a bad inbounder or just shouldn't have been starting in the game or playing minutes late late, late into the game. And it's more frustrating because Tibbs constantly is citing, if you look at the lineup data, if you look at oh how, how the numbers match up. Bro, it's clear as day that Alec Burks is the worst inbounder probably in the league, bro. This guy ended the season on shooting better from three-point than he did on layups. Like, he shot, like, 40% from three and, like, 38% on layups. Like, how is a three-pointer (laughs) – How is a layup harder for you than a three-pointer? And I, like, I guess the Alec Burks moments frustrate me more because I really liked Alec Burks. Like, I thought when we picked Alec Burks over Reggie Bullock, it was the right idea because he's a pretty versatile player. But sheesh, man, we've been having him lean way too much into the ball-handling role. and Those Alec Burks, Burks moments this year were, were frustrating. What about you, Nafi?
0: I got to say, I mean, I was going to just at first say the whole month of March. Y'all covered that already in depth. I would say just basketball wise, the loss to Orlando, especially early in the season when we were riding high, it was like what five and one, and then it all went left after that. And I feel like those Magic games, you know, they're kind of like a blip on the radar right now, right? But you know, they were kind of they were ominous kind of premonitions of what was going to come. You know what I mean? Because we was watching that game, Cole, what was that game that Cole Anthony had like fucking fifteen rebounds? That was straight God. up an effort issue, you know what I mean? That was straight at up just MSG like too, Exactly. At it was MSG. it was straight up effort and that told I was me at a that lot. Game. You know what I mean? Cuz if a team that made the playoffs and got a top 4 seed last year was driven by effort, defense and like they all-star kind of leading the way, we that that game itself and every Orlando game kind of proved that like one of the key components, effort was not going to, you know, be there consistently this season. And a lot of that is tied to the quote-unquote best players setting the example. Julius was Complacent and just lazy as shit on defense this year compared to who he was last year. You know what I mean? When he was trying to get paid. And on a non-basketball note, because I brought up, you know, Julius's name. Even though we won the game, him doing that thumbs down to the fans. You know what I mean? And then him in the press conference saying like, oh, like when they asked somebody, like, oh, I just meant them to shut the fuck up. At that moment, it was dumb. It was stupid. But it was also kind of a snowball effect because after that, even when he came back and he was having like a string of good games, it just. The whole season went off the rails, at least, you know, personally, emotionally, whatever the fuck, for Julius. And that was basically where it all started. That thumbs down. I was like, yeah, you can't do that. In in cities like New York and Philly, you literally cannot go against the fans, like, in any way possible. You know what I mean? And he wasn't even like, you know, I'm not one of these idiots that's just like, oh, these players play for us. You know what I mean? Blah, 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 blah. But it's also just like, yo, bro, like, we're literally, we're consumers. What kind of? successful business insults the consumers <laughs> you know You know what i mean so like he's supposed to be the spokesperson for a Knicks organization and he did that you know what i mean he told us to shut the fuck up um i thought it was just like straight up cry baby shit that was a clutch of my pearls but i feel like that, as far as worst moments that was one of them not to me.
1: mention he put out some cookie cutter ass response apologizing and apparently he apparently he show didn't no even remorse. want to do that exactly no, like, show no remorse I exactly
0: like he's a yeah, that's what happens when you've got kind of like a sensitive crybaby that also has like an overinflated s- sense of his own worth. You know what I mean, he thinks he's that guy, so he's just going to be like, oh, these people should be grateful to see me play basketball in MSU. Like, bro, get the fuck out of here. He was, he was hooping in empty gyms last year. Now you're going to be hooping in empty gyms in Sacramento next year. It's all good. It's and all that's
1: good. when the drama started. And that's, the, that's something that the Knicks should try to avoid at all costs the drama. From there, the booze led on. And then from there, Tibbs got pressure, put, on, put in Obi. He didn't want to put Obi because he's stubborn as fuck and Obi didn't get his minutes, and the rest is the history of this season.
0: Honorable mention for me, though, is just Kemba, the whole Kemba experience. Nah. I'd say it's oh, probably yeah. one of the worst. Like, cause I was definitely hyped we got him. Felt like it was the right time to get him. Felt like it was like destiny. Felt like a storybook kind of situation. We was going to run into a 50-win season led by Bronx-born, former All-Star Kemba, you know, as a, a duo with fucking Julius, and none of that happened. And obviously, we had like the drama with Kemba in the season getting benched, coming back, and benched again. People talking shit, Tibbs, That caused problems it.
2: within the locker room in general because remember, yep. we got we had problems with Fournier too adjusting. And you you notice after Randall stopped getting as many minutes, Fournier adjusted more than fine, bro. He was playing well with OB and whatnot. So,
0: yeah, Fournier's a smart basketball mind, and I want to give him a shout out as far as just like this season. His but press conferences, season. yeah, he had a great season. I feel like we got what we paid for. And, like, person, personality-wise in press conferences, he's super, like, informative. You could tell he's a smart dude that thinks the game. And his biggest theme in all these press conferences like, yo, the offense flows better. We're, we're a reading-react system, but it flows better when everybody touches. Everybody has a rhythm, right? Mm-hmm. And it's no surprise that when Julius is out the equation, it looks better. Obi and Evan and these lineups look better because they all kind of have, like, the same game. Obi, like I say, he's got that Spurs mentality where he's, uh, you know what I mean, it's a quick move. Either he dribbles, passes or shoot, cutting, always active. And that's what Evan wanted, but I feel like he realized quickly that it wasn't going to happen with Julius being the main, like, uh, offensive centerpiece. Because Julius is a slow, methodical-ass motherfucker when it comes to hogging the ball. So, shout out to Evan just for, you know what I mean? Like, it was rough. I hated Adam at certain points. Keeping it professional. I, yeah, ideally, I think he'd be a great six-man, but we'll we'll see what happens next season. But, yeah, I just want to give him a, another honorable mention.
1: Yeah, and just to, I guess, close out with on this on this section, other honorable mentions that, you know, could be brought up as the worst moment of this season, Cam Johnson's buzzer-beating game winner <laughs> against the Knicks in Phoenix, uh, even though the Knicks Randall were up.
2: Yeah. threw a tantrum. Yeah. a tantrum after that one.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Oh, Randall's tantrums. We don't have that on on our list that we put together. All Randall's tantrums post game against the Jazz and just trying to get everyone's neck. It's you know that that
0: sucked. Um, Slapping the laptop or whatever. Slapping the laptop. Yep. So much we forgot about that. (laughs) (laughs) I seen the look on y'all faces like, oh yeah, this idiot did do that.
2: Okay. (laughs) The infamous laptop gate.
0: (laughs) And um, we call it
2: slaptop. (laughs) Slaptop.
0: (laughs) That <laughs> yeah, what the kids in New York City do now. They just slap you behind the head and just run away. That's <laughs> <messing> <laughs> up, huh?
1: and, um, and that Charlotte game when IQ was leading the charge back, and we got in, I want to say, within five points. And yeah. for some reason, Thibodeau decided to sub him out for Alec Burks, and then we didn't see IQ for, like, five more minutes, and then we lost the game that by, like, 20 it.
2: If we're complaining about Tibbs, like, mismanaging lineups and rotations, we're going to end up being here for the rest of the day, bro. Because I could give you, like, six more examples of that. <laughs>
0: Sheesh. No, I mean, these are dishonorable mentions, you know what I mean? So we just put that in as well. <laughs> Tibbs coaching, Tibbs being coaching. stubborn. I mean, everything we figured was kind of, you know, mitigated last season came to fruition this year. So, yep. um, I think we're closing out this segment and kind of moving on to the next one. Well, go ahead, tee it up. What uh. Yeah, You're looking
1: at I the mean, next season. Yeah, now now let's try to you know make things positive and uh, let's talk about try. let's talk about. I mean, we had a lot of positive points on this on this season, especially with the young guys and the kids playing, and uh, we saw leaps from multiple players: IQ, RJ, Obi, namely from from those guys, and you know from the rest of the team. Who would you guys say had the most impressive leap from the players? Uh, Nafi, let's start off with
0: you. Most impressive leap. I want to say rj but i feel like me being an rj acolyte fucking worshiper saw this coming or like was hoping it would come i think most impressive i feel like would be just iq especially after the rough start he had as far as like him being a pure shooter and just his shot betraying him early in the season to what he's doing now i think that's been super impressive because to me personally it feels like that long standing point guard question i don't say i'm not saying he's the answer but you know when you got a question, it's good to have multiple choices to answer this said question. And I feel like IQ is one of the options now, a viable option to be our point guard at least next season. And hopefully with this upward trajectory that he's put himself on the season, it'll continue to the point where we never have to worry about the point guard position for a while. So I think that would be the most impressive uh, leap for me. What about you, Faiz?
2: Um, I honestly wanted to go with IQ too uh, just because he started the first half of the season like with no shot, the shot left him. So he had to find ways to adjust his game, whether it be rebounding, passing the ball. And uh, I just want to give a huge shout-out to him because – He was able to adjust those parts of his games without Derrick Rose as an on-court mentor. I'm sure Derrick Rose had a lot of, you know, off-court help and a lot of off-court mentoring. But, you know, getting other players involved, like OB, helping OB uh, reach both of his career highs, IQ was instrumental in those. So I I wanted to go with IQ, but since you already went with him, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go, like, completely left field. And I'm going to say Jericho Sims because, like, come on, man. Uh, like a last pick in the draft like it really shows the competence of this knicks uh drafting at least let's, let's not let's, let's not give the whole front office uh some credit for this but drafting wise these guys have been on point and you know i'm not saying that he makes mitch completely expendable but he makes the thought of losing mitch a lot less scary because he adds so much to the game and the fact that we have a nba rotation player at that last pick is so so impressive because i feel like people aren't even understanding look at a Like Deuce McBride, he's great. I'm not trying to take away from Deuce, but it's really hard for him to earn minutes in the rotation, even being picked like early second round. But you look at a guy like Jericho Sims, he's in there, he's playing uh, important minutes against really big players, and his athleticism just jumps out the gym. Man, love that guy!
1: Nice. And, um, for me to close this out, I'm gonna have to say Obi Toppin, man. It for me. I think that's that's the easy answer. I, obviously, all shout out to IQ. I love the guy. I think he, for me, I think he's our point guard of the future. But Obi Toppin, for him, I think a lottery pick who's not getting the minutes that he should be getting and then when he gets the ball, it fumbles it. We've seen that story play out year after year. We've seen it with Frank. We've seen it with Kevin Knox. And truly, I thought at certain points of the season, I thought Obi might have been that next guy who – he gets the ball and isn't able to shoot the three, and his confidence is blown out. And then from there on, he becomes that yet another Knicks lottery pick that that you know just can't get it going. But you know, towards the end of this season, we saw him finally getting the minutes that he should be getting, close to thirty minutes per game, and he's balling out. He's shooting threes consistently and making them, and he's posting up and he's driving in and he's you know he's reading the ball a lot better than last season, and it shouldn't be a surprise because he is a lottery pick. He is on the older side; he's like twenty four years old. But the fact that he's, he was able to do it despite not getting the minutes and having his confidence shot during the season, I think that's that's hella impressive. And um, I'm excited to see what he's going to be capable of doing next season, assuming he's able to get you know 25 to 30 minutes per game. So for me, it's it's got to be Obi.
2: Assuming he's able to get minutes yeah, over that's... Taj Gibson. Taj
0: yeah. y'all don't fuck with the the sharpshooter, no? Uh, I mean, yo, shout-out to Leon Rose. Because, follow me here, he drafted Obi at 8, knowing we had Julius. His entire Leon in the front office did not want to keep Julius. But then their hands were tied as soon as he had that great season. They went into this regime, seeing Obi, seeing the power forward position, a.k.a. Julius, and were like, now we need to take this kid 8-8 overall. And now it's paying off, because now we could flip Julius, hopefully, and Obi will step in and tr- continue to show out, hopefully, because... You know, I was getting. T- I, you know, I like Tyrese Tyrese Halliburton's game. I'm gonna keep clowning the Kings for trading him away, but I'm getting tired of hearing people saying like we, you know, Obi's a, a bust of a pick or you know a dud of a pick. You know what I mean? Like, nah. Like, I feel like the front office had their head on straight when they made that pick, and you know to Mo's point, the development and leap we've seen in his level of play this season tells a lot of as far as like his work ethic and the type type of talent he can develop into. So, shout out Leon Rose. Shout out Walt Perrin. You know what I mean? Draft God. Well parent the God. I guess I'll take that silence's agreement and uh Yeah, no doubt. I think yeah, <laughs> Hell I yeah. Doubt. Let's yeah. go,
2: Wallparent. Yeah. I, I, sorry, I mean respectful silence. That's exactly
0: how Wallparent would like it. You know what I mean? a nodding in approval. He'll
2: Nah, well, they, I need to see that Knicks war room, bro. Ah, I want to see Worldwide Wesley rip his shirt off and uh, fucking demand IQ is imagine, on our team.
0: Imagine all these reports are wrong and Walt Perrin is like the crazy motherfucker Yo, like, like in Latin the front of office. Calm,
2: calm, collected dude. Like.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. Walt Perrin is one. He, just, he always has his way. Like, Leon's just scared of him. And he brought all our beasts, slapping laptops
1: in left I. and right.
2: I mean... <laughs> Yo.
0: Yo. <laughs> <laughs> Brock, I don't even like The numbers don't work
1: <laughs> out. He's slapping, breaking laptops left and right.
2: <laughs> well, is the guy who got Donovan Mitchell. So maybe that, that reunion happens again.
0: Uh, we'll see. You know, that, that's a nice <laughs> tease because I think we got to wrap our, uh, compadre here, Mo uh, dip soon. So I think next, you know, we've had some playing games happen. Playoffs about to kick off. Right. So we can definitely touch on that next week, but big shout out to, uh, Stefan Urkel, the New Orleans Pelicans, for uh, making sure the Knicks got that 11th overall pick. Because if they lost, we would have had the 12th odds. So. Mm. Yeah. Y'all know, y'all know Stephon Urkel? The fuck you? Y'all seen Family Matters, right? Steve Urkel, he had yep. his like, yeah, yeah, handsome yeah. twin, Stefan. <laughs> right, right. Just making sure y'all caught it. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down.
2: Right. I think there's pretty good value in the 11th pick, so shout out to New Orleans.
1: Yeah, and not just that. I, I have the stats here. It means we increase our <sighs> odds at a top four pick by... A little over two percent, and um, sorry that what the hell for a top four pick two point three percent, and yeah, yeah to, so we have about a nine percent chance of getting a top four pick now, which for an eleventh team, it's not it's not too bad for a thirty seven win game season, not too bad. Maybe our luck is gonna be in play because we know we're mean, the
2: worst. Honestly, worst. If team, they get yeah. it within the top ten, that's that's pretty good. Like you get pretty good value. We got OB at eight, so like I don't. Exactly. I don't really see the problem, like, yeah. and this draft, I wouldn't say it's like stacked, but like, know, what if Ty Ty Washington lands to us? You know, it's not, it's not a bad like. Yeah, you gotta yeah, add yeah. a point guard right there. I mean, I'm just teasing a name there. Probably not the ideal pick, but you know.
1: Yeah, and there are plenty of players who went past ten. You know, Halliburton is one. Donovan Mitchell is another, just to name a few. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you know there are more players like that. And Walt Perrin is gonna be the guy to find them. You know what I mean? He found Donovan Mitchell, so let's see what he could do for the Knicks. Uh, any last points from you guys?
0: Nah, nah, I mean, we made it to the finish line, boys. You know what I mean? Season's over. So, now the real fun starts for us Knicks fans, a.k.a. the off season. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's our real season. You know what I mean? So, stay tuned Nick is got cooking. <laughs> pa- part
2: us. of my off season starts with rooting for a Mavs win today without Luka against the Jazz. That, that's part of my toxic, mm. toxic Knicks fandom. So.
0: <laughs> I need Donovan Let's to go Dallas. Be, yo, we need Donovan to be shaving points out there. Just straight up, just like. <laughs> Hand the ball to Jalen Brunson, like any time. <laughs> just, just, just. Here you go. <laughs> all right, uh, that about get
2: that value down too. That
1: about wraps up this episode of Nickish. Thank you guys for for listening to this episode. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Nickish Show. Uh, follow us on Spotify and on all podcasting platforms. Until next time. Uh, oh, check out Nickdashish dot com. Get yourself a hoodie and hat today. And check, check out, out Omar's the blog post. Check yes, out sir. Omar's latest piece. It's awesome. Highly recommend it until next time take care everyone peace
0: peace
2: peace